Scripture this morning taken from Mark 10. That's Mark 10, verses 42 through 45. But Jesus called them to himself and said to them, You know that those who are considered rulers over the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them. Yet it shall not be so among you. But whoever desires to become great among you shall be your servant. And whoever of you desires to be first shall be slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. Amen. The last day of National Salvation Army Week, and so I thought it'd be appropriate uh, to, to speak, or to preach, if you will, on service. And you notice on the, your bulletin, now I know there's always this, this uh, um, debate of the, the S's on our uniform mean save to save or save to serve. I've always heard both, honestly. And I think that that's fine. Um, but when you think about the army and what we do in the name of Jesus, we serve, right? Uh, I'm serving you right now. You may not think I am, uh, but in my role as I, as I minister to you to give you uh, the word of God and you serve each other uh, in all your different capacities and your different ways that God has, has blessed you. And so this morning, I wanted to look at what it meant uh, to be a, a servant. You know, um, we, when we read the scriptures, and I'm, I'm right now personally reading this book uh, by, by uh, Kyle Eidelman, uh, that's, that he uses the, the Beatitudes to set forth this, this idea that, that as Christians, what God teaches us to be like is so against, so opposite of what the world says. I mean, just, just in what uh, Steve read for us from Mark chapter 10, if you want to be great, you got to be a servant to all. Uh, that's, that's just, that just flies in the face of, of the world, not just in the world that we live in, but the world that Jesus lived in. It's, it's always been that way. Any, everything that we're reading... Um, today, or when you read the scriptures, when you read the Sermon on the Mount and all these things that Jesus says and Paul says about, you know, don't take revenge and don't, this has always been a, a total paradox compared to what the world teaches. You know, some people say, no, I don't get, get angry, I get even. Jesus would say, no, that's not what you do. Jesus said, if they strike you on the left cheek, turn to them the right also. Um, you know, and we even today we still say, "Hold on now, what do you mean?" So even in the in these this idea of servanthood, uh, what we forget is that we are doing and being for an audience of one. So if we are great in God's eyes, it doesn't matter what the world says or what the world sees. And if we are serving, then we are great in God's eyes. The world defines greatness and always has since the fall 
in terms of power. Uh, Notice uh, in in the scriptures, it says that um, uh, in verse 43, but it is not so among you, right? Because above that, Jesus said that the Gentiles lorded over them. See, they had power. Even today, the world says you're great if if you have power, possessions, position. If you can demand something from another, if you can demand service even from others, then you've made it. If you can have people telling, if you've got people that they do what you say, when you say jump and they say how high, you've arrived. That's what the world says. But Jesus measured greatness the other way. How many people do you serve? He measured greatness in terms of service, not status. And you know, even even in, in our movement, we still struggle with that. It's just human nature. It's part of our fallen nature. So God determines your greatness and my greatness, not by how many people serve you, but by how many people you serve or your heart when it comes to servanthood. So yes, in Mark 10, uh, 35 through 37, if you'll turn there, the same chapter, may, you may not even have to turn, it may be the same page. I love this because it's important that we see that this, the disciples struggled with this. I know y'all don't struggle with this anymore, but look at verse 35. James and John, now those were two of Jesus' inner circle. You know, Peter, James, and John, that was kind of his, those were the three that he was very close with. It says, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, approached him, Jesus, and asked, or said, Teacher, we want you to do whatever we ask you. Now, how about that? What do you want me to do for you? He asked them, and they answered him, Allow us to sit at your right and at your left in your glory. And Jesus said to them, You don't know what you're asking. Are you able to drink the cup? I drink or to be baptized with the baptism I am baptized with. We are able, they told him. How dumb could they be? But we do that. Now we wouldn't, hopefully you wouldn't just come right out and say, you know, Lord, you know, I know I'm important. Um, But sometimes we think we are. We think we're somebody And really, we're nothing outside of Christ. Now, in Christ, he tells us what we are. We are his children. We have been given the privileges of sonship. We are more than conquerors. But all of that is because of him, right? You know, you can go in a bookstore today and find, you know, however many books you want on leadership. I don't even think there is a section called servanthood. Everybody wants to lead right? But the greatest leaders are servants. In fact, I love how over the last couple of decades, now the world has taken on this idea of servant leadership. You know, that, that's how that's supposed to be run now. Well, Jesus has been talking about that for 2,000 years. We, sh- we, shouldn't just, we shouldn't bow down to the worldly view of servant leadership. We should be teaching other people what servant leadership is truly about. Even Christians, we like the, we like the, the title or the, the idea of servant leader. We still want to have that leadership, 
Nobody says, just make me a servant. Now we sang the song, make me a servant. But to be like Jesus is truly to be a servant. You know, one of the most lowliest things that Jesus did is recorded in Scripture when he washed the feet of the disciples. That's not like me washing your feet. You've got socks on or shoes on and you've bathed. And, you know, you don't, you don't walk around the desert where your feet are caked with mud and sand and all of that. Okay? In fact, one disciple was so, he was abhorred by this that he said, you don't touch my feet. And Jesus said to Peter, well, if, I don't, you know, if I don't wash you, you have no part with me. All of us can be servants. When someone has a servant's heart, it reveals their, their growth in Christ. It reveals that God is, is maturing them. You know, no special talent is needed to stay after a meeting and help clean up. Anyone can be a servant. All it requires is the fact that you're available. It is possible to serve in a church for a lifetime without ever being a servant. So how can we know this morning that we have the heart of a servant? Well, it's like the, the first word I just said, available. You're, you're, you're here, right? Real servants don't fill up their time with other pursuits. Paul wrote to Timothy, young Timothy, and said, no one serving as a soldier gets involved in civilian affairs he wants to please his commanding officer. He was not talking about the corps officer. He was talking about the Lord Jesus, right? But much like a soldier, a servant must be standing by, be present, okay? If we serve when it's convenient for us, we're really not serving. Real servants do what's needed, even when it's inconvenient, okay? The question we have to ask ourselves is this, for all of us, me included, am I available to God anytime? Because, you know, I, I, I'm still, you know, I know I have a phone and I can look on my calendar, but I still can't get away from that, uh, that, that calendar that you write things in. Okay, I still like to write down, I still believe that a, a dull pen is greater than the best memory, right? So a lot of times, you know, you write in your schedule, and for some reason, I just have the audacity to think, now, Lord, when you, when you work, now you've got to work around my schedule. You see what I write down. A lot of times, though, God wants to use us when it's truly inconvenient. The question is, are we available to God? We say yes, and then he says, anytime? Can he mess up my plans without me becoming mad? resentful um i have to say many times i have to ask god to forgive me because i'm like hey i didn't want to do that right now i had another plan and then god says but you said you said that you would be willing see as a real servant we don't get to pick and choose when we will serve we're, we're all when it comes to god's work we're always on call God will always, not, well, I shouldn't say always, but many times will interrupt your plan, my plan, just to test us to see, are you truly available? So we have to be available. Also, a real servant pays attention. 
You know, and I'll say this with my wife at men's, not, not she ain't at men's camp, at women's camp. Um, she pays very close attention to the needs of my kids. And I, a lot of times I am just in space. I'll have no idea that something needed to be done. She's always paying attention. But you know, when it comes to servanthood, we should look for ways to help others. Uh, Galatians 6, verse 10, Paul said, Therefore, as we have the opportunity, uh, and yes, sometimes that's an interruption by God, he said, Let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. So we should always do good. But when it comes to those in your church family, you should be a phone call away. Now, that doesn't mean that, that you can immediately, you may not be able to immediately go help them, but you may be able to help them get help. Or you may be able to fill in for them. Sometimes we miss occasions for serving because we're not sensitive. We're in our own little world. And, and that's, that's it's, as I talked about in Sunday school, about pausing and, and stopping to hear God's voice. It is, we've all failed at this. Okay, sometimes great opportunities to serve don't last long because we miss the opportunity. Proverbs 3.28 says, don't say to your neighbor, come back later, I'll give it tomorrow when you now have it with you. In other words, come back later when it's convenient for me, right? And I think it's these little things that God, he uses to, to mature us because he realizes that we don't like our plans interrupted. I mean, think about when you're watching your favorite TV show and it goes out for a couple of seconds. I mean, your whole facial expression changes. And, you, you know, you're pressing the remote, you're, somebody's running over there to check and make sure the Internet's still working. John Wesley was an incredible servant of God. You know, in our spiritual family tree, he's, he's kind of like our grandfather if William Booth was our father. His personal motto was this, do all the good you can by all the means you can in all the ways you can in all the places you can at all the times you can to all the people you can as long as you ever can. You see, you and I can begin by looking for little things to do. We should do little things because in God's economy, those are big things. God sees our heart. You see, a lot of people run to the big things because they know people are watching. And God is saying, but, but I see everything. So if you're not going to help the person that nobody sees, that's a hard issue. And then real servants do their best with what they have. You remember what he says to the, uh, the, the disciples? He's like, y'all need to give these people something to eat. And the little boy gave Jesus his lunch. We all know what Jesus did with that, right? That's all he had, though. Servants, as, as servants, we're not to make excuses. We don't need to procrastinate. We're always tempted to wait for better circumstances. We shouldn't say, well, you know, one of these days I'll teach that class or I'll help in the nursery or I'll, you know, feed this, whatever it may be. Or when the time is right. Did you know that when it comes to serving, the time is always right? Servants just do what needs to be done. God expects us to do what we can. Now, he knows 
You can't do everything. I can't do everything. But if you do a little and I do a little and someone else does a little, you know what? We've done a lot. Less than perfect service is always better than the best intention. Because it's always better to do something than just talk about it. You know, talk is cheap. We've all heard that. We can all say things, but in the end, it's the doers that make it happen. See, the truth is, no one in this room is good at everything. God made sure. You may think you are. Uh, but we all have different strengths, different weaknesses. Our service doesn't have to be perfect for God to use it. We just have to be available and say, Lord, this is what I have. You can have it, right? And God does. He blesses it. In Ecclesiastes 11, verse 4, it says, If you wait for the perfect conditions, you will never get anything done. And isn't that true? The longer you live, the more you realize. You know, I was telling you know a lot of times as we we talk about um, you know, officers moving or uh, somebody said to me we we moved into a new building in Rocky Mount, and they said you did this on Thanksgiving that was your f right before Christmas and I said look there's not a perfect time to do anything, you just have to do it right. But we're tempted to believe there's always a better time when God may say, hey, this was the opportunity I gave you. Do the best with what you have and God will bless it. And then real, ser real servants do every task with equal dedication. Paul wrote to the church in Colossae in Colossians 3.23, and this is still a uh, challenge to all of us. Whatever you do, Work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for men. Now, there's two words there that get me, whatever and Lord. Because so many times we can put 100% into one thing and then 60% into something else and say, well, they're not going to care. And maybe they don't. But what this verse tells us is that we're working for the Lord. When you go to work in the morning, you're working for the Lord. If you, if you go to work, you work for the Lord, not for men. The greatest example many times in a Christian's life is with their co-workers. And this says whatever you do. Now that, that encompasses everything. See, the, the Holy Spirit was really smart to make sure that the word was whatever in their original language because so many times we can say well this isn't as we talked about in Sunday school we like to compartmentalize well this is my spiritual stuff and this is my secular and whatever you do work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord means everything we do is for the glory of God the size of the task doesn't matter the only issue is does it need to be done You've probably heard of this principle called the 2080 principle. It's where it says that in just about every church and just about every organization, anything, 20% of the people do 80% of the work. And I have come to see that that is true. And sometimes I think, man, what would happen for the kingdom of God if 80% of the people did everything? It, it would change the world. 
And yet so many, t- in, in every committee meeting, in every, in every meeting, there's always just maybe one or two that'll say, yes, I, I'll do that. But what if we all said, hey, I can do something? This is important to understand. You and I will never arrive at the state in life where we are too important to help with menial tasks. And the example for us is Jesus. God will never exempt you from the mundane. Now, when I say mundane, it just means the the day-to-day, in and out, living your life, uh, that, because that's, that's where he grows us. That's where he matures us. That's where sanctification happens. Uh, it's, it's just in, the, it's in the, menial thing, the menial thing. You know, when my wife says to me, uh, are you going to help me put the chairs up? I have to make a decision. Do I say, sure, I can help you with that, or do I say, yeah, I can help you with that because one's not good. Even though it's both yes, there's a heart issue there, right? We're never above what we think. God's way, Dietrich Bonhoeffer said, God's way up is down. In fact, he even said that when God calls a man or woman, he bids them come and die. And he don't mean physically die, but you know what has to what he has to kill in us is our pride. We all have it. You know? It's like when you walk around and say, I'm as humble as I can be. No, you're not. If you think you're too important to help someone in need, you're only fooling yourself. I didn't say that. Paul wrote that in Galatians 6, verse 3. You are really, and in fact, in the New Living Translation, it says, if you think you're too important to help somebody, you're only fooling yourself. And then it says, you are really a nobody. You see, it's in the small services, the small opportunities to help someone that we grow like Christ. Jesus helped with menial tasks. Uh, You can look at the life of Christ. He specialized in this. Uh, he washed feet. He helped children. You remember the disciples said, hey, tell these kids to get away from him. He fixed breakfast. Remember? He served lepers. He even touched lepers. He did all these things that in his time was considered, the religious people would say, "That's I'm too good for that. I can't touch those people. Nothing was beneath him. Because he came to serve. There will always be people in our world, and yes, even in our churches, that will be willing to do great things for God than there are people willing to do little things. If we would just do those small things for God, then he says, I will make you great. You know, the, the scriptures also say, though, that when you try to make yourself great, he will bring you down. It's best to humble yourself than it is for God to humble you. We develop a heart of service when we're willing to do anything needed. Doesn't mean that we're good at everything. Uh, you know, sometimes I've, I've helped people. I'll never forget the first time in my core before I drank coffee, I made coffee for the Sunday school. And I learned a great lesson. If you don't drink coffee, you shouldn't make coffee. 
because you don't know how much to put in it. And, you know, and I wasn't trying to mess it up. That way I could get out of it. But the lady, sweet lady came to me and she said, you know, Captain, you don't have to do this anymore. And then when I started to drink coffee, I, I learned, man, those poor people, I didn't, there's no telling what I served them that day. But the, the question we have to ask ourselves is this. Am I, do I have a willingness to serve God? And by serving God, yes, that means serving your church by doing anything that is needed. Because real servants are faithful to their ministry or they're loyal. They finish their task. They fulfill their responsibilities. They keep their promise. And you know, all this list that I'm talking about, they also do this at home. They do this at work. They, they, you know, and if they can't make, make it happen, then they call somebody and say, hey, this has come up. Most folks make commitments casually, then break them for the slightest reason without any hesitation. Oh, I'm sorry, it rained. I couldn't be there. You know, there are Salvation Army Corps, like in Africa, that they will, to get to like a large event, they will travel days and walk, sleep in the trees, do all the, hey, if it's a bad storm, we ain't coming to church. Think about that. But every week, and this, please understand, I'm not trying to guilt anyone, but this is, this is what, there are churches in America, more churches closed in America than any place in the world right now. But churches must improvise or make do because people didn't prepare, they didn't show up, uh, they didn't even call to say they weren't coming. I'll never forget the one Sunday we showed up at the Corps. Everybody came but the Corps officer. That was an interesting service. The question we have to ask ourselves is, can I be counted on by others? Now, that doesn't mean that you don't have your life and that you have things you have to do. We all understand that. We should not take anyone for granted either or use them up. But there are times when God will test our faithfulness. You know, God's testing my faithfulness right now. I have a sore throat. I have a cold. I want to go to bed, right? We all, we're all human. But God is saying, you, you have something to do. In the scriptures, God tested the faithfulness of his closest followers, Abraham, Moses, Samuel, David, Timothy, Paul. You see, to God, your greatest achievement is faithfulness. That's it. It's not success in the world's view or maybe even in some religious person's view. This is why the, the greatest reward in heaven is for those who were faithful. Notice that in Matthew 25, 23, when Jesus talks about the, uh, the sheep and the goats, you know what he says? He doesn't say, well done, you good and intelligent servant. You well, well done, good and attractive servant. He says, well done, good and faithful servant. Our faithfulness to God is connected uh, or, or our faithfulness to God will show in our faithfulness to our church. One day you will retire from your career. Some of you are counting the days. People like me, there's no point in counting. But you, you and I never retire from our service to the Lord. Real servants make themselves available. We pay attention to needs. 
they, they do their best with what they have. That's what I was doing when I was leading praise and worship. I was doing the best with what I had, right? And you all paid the price. Real servants maintain a low profile. This is the last one I'll use. I am not here to make attention of myself. I am here to make attention and bring attention to Jesus Christ. I love the story uh, when Billy Graham was really on the national stage for the first time. He was going to preach at Madison Square Garden. What an opportunity. And he, he saw his name in lights, as they would say, on the marquee. And someone asked him, how does that make you feel, uh, Billy Graham? And he said this, and you can look this up. He said, that scares me to death. And the, the reporter looked at him like, why? He said, because the Bible says, as Billy Graham liked to say, the Lord shares his glory with no man. Think about that. It's not about us. It's not about me. When Paul wrote in Colossians 3.22, slaves obey your earthly masters in everything and do it, not only when their eye is on you to win their favor, but with sincerity of heart and reverence for the Lord. You see, servants don't promote or call attention to themselves. Uh, Paul exposed people, and you see it in his writings, who appeared spiritual but they were just putting on a show. And God knows. We, you know, Abraham Lincoln was right. You can fool some of the people all the time and all the people some of the time, but you can't fool all the people all the time and you can't fool God none of the time. He sees. This was Jesus' problem with the Pharisees. They did spiritual stuff all day long, but they did it to make, to puff themselves up, Right? Not because they had a servant's heart. Uh, Self-promotion and servanthood never mix. In fact, Jesus even said, it's amazing the words that Jesus said when you really look at them. He even said, I didn't even come to do what I, what I want to do. He said, I came to do the will of my Father. Real servants don't serve so they can get a pat on the back. And if you get a pat on the back, you know what you can say? Thank you. I, I heard this great story uh, about... So many times preachers, uh, somebody will say, well, that was a great sermon. They'll say, well, you know, that was all God. And, and some preachers said, no, it wasn't, because if it was God, it would have been a lot better than what you did. Yeah. Right? We love to, it's okay to just say, thank you for that. We don't have to over-spiritualize it. We don't have to, well, you know, that, that was God working in me. Well, maybe, it, you know, well, if it was God, it would have been a lot better than what you did. It's okay to sometimes to just, Say, when someone pats you on the back or encourages you, just say, I appreciate that. Thank you. Because you don't have to make it about yourself. Again, if you will humble yourself, God will raise you up. So, you know, uh, we, we serve because we want to serve. God gives you that gift of passion. Joseph is a great example of a servant. Uh, and we're studying Joseph right now in Bible uh, study. He didn't draw attention to himself, but quietly served Potiphar and then... When he had an unfair experience, he served the jailer. Then he served Pharaoh's baker and wine taster, and God blessed his attitude. When Pharaoh promoted him to prominence, Joseph still maintained a servant's heart. Even with the brothers who betrayed him when he was younger, uh, we know 
We, we know that God molded him, put him in some unfair circumstances, but it always said the Lord was with Joseph. Now, maybe for some of you today, you feel like you serve and no one cares what you do. You serve and maybe you're tired of serving. I had one retired officer said, I wasn't tired of service, but I was tired in service. And sometimes we feel discouraged. We feel unappreciated. We feel like nobody sees. But please know, and I'm speaking to me and to you, God put you where you are for a reason. Let me encourage you today with the same words that Paul used. You see, when you get tired of doing God's work, you're in good company. Because Paul wrote these words 2,000 years ago, and they're still true today. Let us not become weary in doing good. For at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. You see, maybe to God, the most significant service that you will ever do, no one may ever see. But yet, when you get to heaven, that's when all of that's going to come out. You ever heard somebody say, it's all going to come out in the wash. When we get to heaven, we're going to be so humbled by those times when someone will come to you and say, you know, because you did such and such, God used that, and that's why I'm where I am now. Don't get discouraged. Stay faithful. And when you are discouraged, just keep moving on. Keep going. There's a reason why the Bible tells us that people get discouraged. We become weary in doing good. You've heard me say this before. We don't meet people who are weary in doing bad. Because that's the flow of the world. They're going with the flow. See, when we're doing good in this world, we're going against the grain. And if you go against the grain too long, if you run uphill for too long, you start getting tired, don't you? See, everybody that's doing wickedness and doing evil, they're running downhill with the wind to their back. Us, as believers in this world, we're running uphill with the wind in our face. And sometimes we say, Lord, I'm tired. I mean, I, I need to take a break. Now, God says rest, but he doesn't say quit. Keep that in mind. Yes, rest. Jesus rested. Don't quit. Don't let the things of this world uh, get you so far down that you don't get back up. Stay faithful to Christ because Christ has been faithful to us. The reason that you're here this morning is because Christ. He's given you the strength to endure today, endure this sermon even maybe. But don't get involved in those things that would hinder your service for him. Don't forget to be like Jesus is to be a servant. I'd ask that we sing that, uh, not that song, but the, the chorus to that song, 646, here at the cross in this sacred hour, here at the source of reviving power. Helpless indeed, I come with my need. Lord, for thy service, fit me, I plead. And as we sing, I would, I would ask that as you sing, that this would just be your prayer this morning. Uh, some of us don't ask God to do anything because we know he'll give us something to do but friends I can testify to this that, that when I've left this church or whatever I've done and I'm tired 
because I've given of myself, I can also say I slept a lot better that night because I knew my work would not be in vain. When we serve the Lord, we may not see the fruits of our labor here, but God promises us nothing we do in His name for His glory is ever wasted. I can't tell you the many things, the many times I've done something, and it was for nothing because it wasn't about God. So anything we do for Him, He uses it. There's no wasted service, none in His name. So let's sing that song. Let this be your, your prayer and mine as well.